to actually uh, get ready for worship and know that I can't wear short sleeves anymore. It's the, the season has changed just a little bit and we're now getting into a little cooler weather. And so farmers pray for rain. I'm going to pray that summer starts tomorrow. So I've had enough winter. I'm through with it, but I'm glad that y'all are here. Uh, I'll be bundled up next week when it drops below 70 uh, for good. Uh, I'm going to need a little help. Jacob Blackman is here. So I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, will you help me? You, you just showed up. I also saw Connor is here. How are you, bud? So good to have some of our college guys back for a few days. Um, what I need from you is um, I just need you to flip a coin. And I have uh, markers. And what I want you to do is flip a coin. And then I'll even, I'll even help you out a little bit. Well, see, that's why I brought multiple ones, because I knew one of them wasn't going to work. Okay, there's heads. Okay, and then there's tails. And what I, I want you to keep a tally mark. Okay, if you just flip the coin, and then whatever it is, um, you can figure out which one is heads. I think that's Pocahontas. Uh, there, she can be heads, and then the eagle on the back can be tails. That one's no good. And if you'll just kind of go at it. Uh, Bob, you normally keep count of who's here, right? If you don't mind, will you do me a favor? Will you go ahead and start that count now? And then when you find out how many people are in here, if you'll let me know, because we're going to write that up on the board as well. So be, stay in your seats. Don't start moving around. I know some of you want to come over here, and after he counts, you can go over there. If you'll just get a, a good count of all the heads... Oh, he's already counted. Wow, that is impressive. Do we trust him? Is that good enough? I mean, somebody could have snuck in the back. It's, we'll go ahead and ride up here, just so we know. Okay, there that one went. Oh, I'm going to hand this one to you because you're going to like this one a lot better. It even has a little clicker thing on it, too. There you go. Okay, so I got Jacob working on that, and while he's doing that, we're just going to spend some time in the Bible. I want to read several different stories, some that you're pretty familiar with, and kind of look at the reactions of people. And uh, and um, sorry, I just saw Dave and Janine. It's so got so good to see you guys. So anyway, um, here we go. Then someone came to him and said, "Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life?" He said to them, why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Also, you should also love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept ever since I was young. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. So I want to talk a little bit about this, what, what the, the Bible called rich young rulers, what we talk about in, in Bible class growing up and, and as we study in the past. So what, what do we know, what are, what are three things we know about the rich young ruler? Somebody help me out. He's what? He's rich. He's, 
young and what? He's a <laughs> You guys are great. Like we just got started here and you knew all three, most of you did. Those of you who have already started nodding off, you didn't get those, so stay with us here. He's rich, he's young, and he's powerful. He's a ruler. He has a people under his control. He had all that he wanted, and he wanted everything that he had. I want to say that again. He had all that he wanted, and he wanted everything that he had. I'm not going to suggest so much that he was content as much as I want to suggest that he coveted, he cared for, he wanted to hold on to everything that he had. He followed the rules, he knew the law, and he heard about Jesus, and so he went to meet him and asked him some questions. He even refers to him as a good teacher. But the conversation was too much. The man owned too much and Jesus was asking for too much and ultimately after meeting Jesus after being with him after seeing what's going on he went away grieving he cried he wept as he walked away because he said I can't let go of what I have I want it too much and he walked away from Jesus how are we doing over here Oh, we're, statistically, we're going pretty good. Okay, it looks like Heads is a little behind, but maybe it'll catch up. We'll see. Okay, so let's go ahead and go into this next story. This comes from Luke chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself. He fell down. That's, that's the Greek word for worship. He worshipped at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Ten lepers. I mean, leprosy, it's It's awful. It's painful, it's disgusting. It is literally your flesh rotting off of your body. It reeks. There's, there's pus and there's itching and there was no cure for it. The only thing that they could do was long-term quarantine. You're there until you're dead. You're never back in a part. In fact, that was a death sentence. Except you didn't die from leprosy, you lived with it until ultimately it killed you. And here they were. They were hurting, they were alone, they were broken, they missed their family. They wanted to know what it was like to be able to walk around without pain and to sleep without being woken up. They were nauseated by their own smell. 
and they just wished they could be well. They saw Jesus and they started calling out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And I wonder how many times they yelled that, knowing that they had to stay a safe distance in order not to make Jesus or anyone else around him uncleaned. They listened to him. They believed him. And I love this story, and we don't give him enough credit, but he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Why would he say, go show yourself to the priest? Why would they need to do this? that they had been healed what they weren't healed and yet he says go to them and we don't hear an argument we don't hear a complaint they go they listened they believed they walked away and as they're walking away they're healed and nine of them never came back they were so set on getting to go home, getting to be with their family, making sure that they were made clean again, that they didn't want to go back and praise God. They were too busy. They were too focused on what was ahead of them. So they took Jesus. And carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on either side, with Jesus in between. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic and said, Now the tunic was seamless and, wo and woven into one piece from top to bottom. So they said, Let's not tear it, but let's cast lots to see who's going to get it. They were soldiers. They were Roman soldiers and they were doing their job. And one of the perks of doing their job is any clothes that they took off of a criminal they could keep. They each, between the four of them, were able to get a garment. But there was this one garment that was seamless. And to them, they didn't want to tear it into four pieces. So they decided that they would cast lots. That they would gamble to figure out who was going to win it. And there they were. Just doing their job. Whether they liked it or not, it paid the bills. But in all likelihood, they liked it. They liked the power. They liked the prestige. And they liked the fear their presence commanded when they were around. People knew to listen to these guys. They were closer than all of mankind would come to the most powerful moment in history and they were betting on a piece of cloth as Jesus looked down at them they looked down at the ground betting on some clothing worn by a lowly Jewish peasant they thought that the power was in the hammer Jesus would proclaim it was in the nails 
as Max Lucado would write in his book, so close to the cross, but so far from Christ. Now in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, there is a point. Wait, how are we doing over here? 10, 20, 30, 34 to 35. Wow, that is pretty impressive that you're doing, you're flipping it that well. Oh, now you've gone to the catch. Is, is the catch easier for you? You, you like the catch? Okay, and the flip. Okay. Just checking out. I actually did some research to find out if the catch actually changed. The, if you could alter heads or tails based on catching it and flipping over. And they basically said, unless you're, you know, like a magician who's practiced it before, I'm, I don't think that you, I don't see the hat. And so I think it's just going to be, no matter what, it's just, okay. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm not telling you what to do. You can, however you want, you can flip it up. It doesn't matter. Okay. Now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there's a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethsaida, which has five uh, porticos. That's actually very important. You need to know that. That's going to be on the entrance exam into heaven. There's five of them. And these lay many invalids, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man was there who had been healed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been sick for a long time, he said to them, Do you want to be made well? One of the most fascinating questions, and really the dumbest. Because why would he, nah, nope, I'm good. I've enjoyed staying here the last. 38 years. I'm, I can't wait to get my 40-year token. It's going to be awesome. It's a weird question to ask. But, but notice, notice the response of the guy laying there. He's asked a yes or no question. But you're going to find out right now, he doesn't give a yes or no answer. The sick man answered, sure, I have no one to put me in the waters when the water stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once, the man was made well, and he took up his mat, and he began to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, Hey, it's the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, the man who made me well said to me, take up your mat and walk. And they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your mat and walk? The man told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. John chapter 5. Can you imagine the scene? Can you, it's, this is crazy to me. This man hasn't walked in 38 years. He begs. He lays down by the pool, and when the waters are stirred, he hopes he can get in there to be the first one in there, because if you were the first one in there during the water stirring, then miraculous healings would occur. But he was never the first one in. Jesus walks by and says, Do you want to be made well? Well, of course I do, but I can never get there in time. I can't float in there the whole time. I can't move. And Jesus heals him right there. But here's the interesting part. Everybody should be super psyched about this. 
Like they should be really fired up about it. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If there was somebody in here who'd been struggling with the disease for almost four decades, they couldn't walk, and all of a sudden, somebody comes in and says, hey, I want you to stand up and walk. Don't you think you'd be pretty excited about it? Not these guys. Not these guys. We don't do those things. Guys, this is church. There, we have some rules. Okay, you keep order. Okay, don't, don't drink coffee in the auditorium. That's an old rule. We, we, that's okay. You're good with that now. Right? But we have these rules. Don't run in the hallways. That was the rule I always had growing up. There are things that you did not do. If there was a little boy and rolling around in a wheelchair for the first eight years of his life, and somebody came in and healed him, and he started running around the hallway, are you going to be like, excuse me, I, I, I really would like you to walk? I'd be like, run! Run as fast as you can! Let's run together! But not these guys. Their response, you can't do that. You can't worship like that. There's, there's no room for that. We don't like it, and therefore God will not accept it. They were rightly indignant. They thought that what they were saying was more important than what God was doing. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This is from John's account. Matthew, Mark, and Luke also include. Some of them don't tell us that it's Mary, but they do say that while she's there, that she begins to weep. She's so emotional at the change that's taken place in her life. She can't contain herself. She weeps. Her tears fall on Jesus' feet. She takes her hair and she starts to dry his feet with her hair. How are we doing over here? You're at 15. That's 45. That's 90. That's 100, 110, 111. Can you give me four more flips if you don't mind? Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him, objected. Why was it this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. I mean, we give Judas a hard time, and he deserves a hard time, but let me say this. For all of those of you who don't really get this, Jesus was not who everyone, everyone expected the Messiah to be. Especially those who were close followers of Jesus. They didn't get it. They wanted a Messiah, a.k.a. a king, who would go in and roll out Rome and the Jews would once again have the nation that they desired. And Jesus didn't do it. Jesus had failed to meet the expectations of Judas. It was another meal, and there was another sinner. And this time, it was a woman. 
she breaks open the jar. She breaks down sobbing and weeping. And Judas was indignant. And the reason why is because Jesus was clueless. He wasn't a king. He didn't know how to be a king. Kings had power and authority and they wielded it on people and they ruled over it. They had swords and armies and Jesus cared about none of that. After the meal, it's when Judas would strike up a deal. But I think the decision was made during the meal. He was so fed up with Jesus not doing it right. Jesus had gone too far and Judas walked away. He couldn't follow that type of leader. These are just of the few, a few stories found over and over again in the Gospels of people right next to Jesus at the foot of the cross, dining across from Him at the table, seeing the miracle that He had done, walking with Him for years. They walked away unchanged. Even the followers of Jesus, almost all of them at one point, deserted Him. We only have record of John being there with Jesus at the cross. This morning, what we're talking about is that worship is transformational. Right? An encounter with Jesus, truly, truly worshiping and knowing Jesus changes your life if you allow it. You have to allow it. The soldiers at the foot of the cross, they saw Jesus. There he was. He looks down and says, Father, forgive them. And they turned away. Judas, who had been with him day after day, week after week, he ate the fish and the loaves that were multiplied. He saw people healed from blindness and leprosy, all kinds of sickness. He saw people raised from the dead and he walked away from Jesus. But then there's the other group. There's the demoniac who after being healed said, I want to follow you wherever you go. There's Zacchaeus after worshiping Jesus says, I'm going to give whatever I owe back to anybody seven times as much. There's the woman at the well who was hated her own life. And who she had become. She had an encounter with Jesus. She left her pot at the well and she took off to go find other people. Nicodemus snuck in at night to ask Jesus questions. But it's Nicodemus who comes to know and believe Jesus. He was completely changed. You have Peter who is crucified upside down. You have Paul 
who is a living sacrifice for Jesus. And you have Mary, who there she is at the feet of Jesus, having broken open this expensive jar and says, it's all for you. I just want you to know something. I'm just going to tell it like it is. This is what Jesus says. There are two kinds of people when it comes to spirituality in Jesus. There are two kinds. You are either transformed when you worship Jesus. When you come into His presence, you are changed or you are not. Your life is different or it isn't. There's no stories about people halfway choosing Jesus. And Jesus saying, that's pretty good. There's no consolation prize. Guys, there is no participation ribbon. You're either choosing to follow Jesus or you're not. You are living out a life where your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength is focused on Him or it isn't. There is no halfway. There are 115 people here this morning. And here we have this coin that was flipped 115 times. And you see the results right here. 15, 45, 53 to 62. Is that right? Yeah. Is there another number missing? There's a number missing, right? Because some people, some people are convinced that there should be another number. Some of you are like, well, well, wait just a second. There should be a number right here. Because you're either completely sold out and you're transformed for Jesus, or you're not. You're either living for Him and He means everything to you, or He doesn't. The man had all the money, had everything that he wanted. And then Jesus says, I'm going to offer you something better. You have money that's going to last for another 10 or tw uh, 20 years, 30 years. But then it's going to be gone. I'm going to offer you something that never ends. And he looks at what he has and he says, I want what I have more than I want what you're offering me. I can flip this coin all day long. And we will never end up with one right here. You're either going to be on fire, transformed by Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, or you're not. You're either going to say, how can I sell out for Jesus and be everything for Him, or how am I going to try to just go on with life, making sure everything is comfortable and good. Jesus makes no bones about this. All throughout, He says there are two ways. There are two roads. There are two lives. You can choose the narrow road or you can choose the wide road. The one that leads to life or the one that leads to destruction. You like money? Okay, just know this. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and comfort. 
You can't serve God and popularity. You can't serve God and whatever it is that might come ahead of Him. Can Christians be comfortable? Yes. Can Christians have money? Yes. But if you think that you're going to be the one that's focusing on those things and still want to be in this camp, you're not. Now, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to pound the pulpit. But I do want to say this. Jesus is going to confront a group of people who thought that they followed Him. And He looks at them and He's going to banish them to hell. He said, Lord, Lord! When did we not prophesy in Your name? And in Your name, heal many people. And in Your name, give gifts. And Jesus is going to say what? Get away from Me because I don't know You. Because You didn't want to be transformed by Me. You wanted to dabble. You wanted to give a few hours on Sunday. You wanted to spend more time reading your book or watching your show than being consumed by me and my word. When people needed help, you turned and you walked away. When I asked you to forgive, you chose to seek revenge. This is really, really big. And this is not what I really like to be about. I love to talk about how Jesus loves us and offers grace, and He does, but it's transformational. I don't want you to walk out of here thinking everything is pretty good. I don't want you to say everything is okay. How's your spiritual life? It's fair. It's not bad. The fact is, is that Jesus transforming our lives if we just let Him. Don't find yourself out of the cross and looking down at the ground. Let Jesus transform your life. It's the, it's the most amazing thing that can happen. And I, I want to close out this one thing real fast. I want you to remember, I, I said that, you know, those, the, the 12 closest followers of Jesus, uh, you know, Judas, of course, was out, and then Matthias was in, and then we, we know a little bit about, from history, what happened to these guys. Of all those guys who ran, of all those guys who denied, who said they didn't know him, who ran and hid, you know something? God still used them. God continued to work in their life. And 11 of those 12 ended up being brutally killed while they said, I believe in Jesus. John's the only one who didn't. He got off even worse than them. He got stuck on an island by himself. If you're in a place where you say, you know what, I, I don't know what group I'm in. If that's, if that's where you think you are, I kind of think you already know the answer. Don't, don't be in that group. Don't let Jesus be just a little part of your week. 
He died to be in relationship with you and He wants to transform your life. And so this morning we're calling you to that. To just give in to a worship that says, God, you are absolutely worth it. All the things that are slowing me down, I want those out of the way. Because I want to be changed by you so you can be glorified and this world can see who you are. And so this morning, I want to ask you to join me in that transformational worship as we come and sing this morning.